1: Greetings, I'm Tricia Keffer from sunny Key Largo, Florida, your host for New Books in Architecture, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. If you have any ideas for books, please send me an email at plantspeoplelove at gmail.com. And I have a very special guest for you today. Uh, the book is The Golden Ratio, The Divine Beauty of Mathematics by Gary Meisner, published by Race Point in 2018. Hi, Gary. Welcome to the show.
0: Hello, Tricia. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for being here, and uh, let's start with, can you tell the audience about yourself?
0: Sure. Uh, The reason that I ended up writing this book is that I've been doing a website on the Golden Ratio since 2001. It uh, kind of started out just as an experiment, but it just took on a life of its own, and over the years, it uh, grew to where it was having a million hits per year, and I've met and corresponded with thousands of people through it and learned many things, so it's been kind of a fascinating journey for me.
1: Uh, So what is your educational background?
0: Educational background is I started as a math major, so that also ties in to the topic. I made it through advanced calculus and differential equations and then shifted over to a career in uh, finance and technology. But I've always just had the the mathematics and the science and all the other areas that I cover in the book have just been passions for a long time.
1: Uh, So my first question I always start with is, what was your motivation for uh, writing this particular book?
0: Well, the the interesting part of the story is that uh, I was very fortunate I received a call from race point asking if I would do this project with them so you know many authors write the book and get an agent and try to get it out there I got the phone call with a very short deadline to do a book and they turned out to be a wonderful partner they did just an absolutely beautiful job in producing the book
1: yeah so this is a listening audience I want to just let them know that um, yeah it's beautifully laid out and and designed uh, especially on the front cover and all of your graphics it's it's they did a very nice job
0: yeah and, and I would say that it's one thing that distinguishes this book from others on the topic is that it's it has textbook quality material in it in terms of the information you gain but it's really was produced to be like a coffee table book so it's 224 pages nine and a half by eleven and a half weighs three pounds beautiful 250 illustrations on you know a beautiful paper I mean they just did a, a wonderful job with it <sighs>
1: Um, so let's start with my first question. So tell the audience, what is the golden ratio and phi, and and why is it important to understand and study?
0: Sure. First of all, the golden ratio, it's it's just simply a number. It's it has an infinite number of digits, like pi does. It's most often shortened to 1.618, and it's also known by the Greek letter phi. So, like like pi, you know, it's very unique in mathematics and geometry. But the golden ratio is just far more interesting because it has so many surprising places that it appears in just a broad range of applications.
1: Um, so since this is the architecture mm-hmm. channel, uh, why would it be important to architecture uh, and landscape architecture?
0: Well, I think, I think the key thing is that anybody that's in any area of design, architecture and landscape architecture included, of course, whenever you do any kind of composition, you're making continual decisions on position and proportion. I mean, that becomes the foundation of you know, what you're designing. And the golden ratio just has a unique quality that uh, really no other ratio or number has in creating an internal inherent consistency harmony within the ratios that can be created. Um, does that, does that make sense or shall I elaborate?
1: Oh, uh, uh, keep going. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, the, it, it appears in nature and one of the most fascinating places to me is just in the human face. So if you look at the human face, you like know, if you look at the position of your mouth in relation to the eyes versus the chin, it's not midway. It's in most people at the golden ratio point. If you look at the width of your face, the uh, inside of corner of your eyes is typically in a golden ratio of the width of your face. And so the the story just goes on and on where if you look at the face and you'll often find a dozen, sometimes even two dozen golden ratios that make a human face what it is, you know, give it its appearance, give it the aesthetics, the attractiveness. And so if you understand what's going on there, you can take those same concepts and apply them to any, any type of design or art. And that's that's basically what has happened over the, the centuries is that, uh, you know, way back to ancient times, the earliest recorded uh, writing of it is by Euclid in his Elements, which was a treatise on geometry. So that was about 300 BC. But uh, before and since then, there's just many instances where people have, you know, been aware of this and intentionally and sometimes maybe intuitively applied it to their art, architecture, designs, just to you know, create an aesthetic that just looks naturally pleasing to the eye.
1: Well, uh, that's interesting. It goes back that far. Now, uh, one of my professors, Dr. Chang, uh, talks about the golden ratio, and, Le- and his hero is Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did what did Leonardo da Vinci do for the golden ratio?
0: Well, the the one thing that is written and documented that he did is um there was a book published in 1509 by Luca Pacioli called The Divine Proportion. Of course it was in Italian, but um Leonardo da Vinci was the illustrator for that book. So he and Pacioli were um you know partners. They they worked together, lived together for a while. Leonardo learned a lot about math and geometry from him, and I think Pacioli learned about, you know, the arts from from Leonardo. But anyway, so Leonardo was the illustrator of that book, but the fascinating thing to me is if you look at the the artwork that Leonardo created even before that book, um, you find you know, many golden ratios in his composition. And, and I say this, um, yeah, I, I, back in 2004, I developed a software product. I did the website in 2001. 2004, I developed a software product called Phi Matrix, which is an overlay that you know, allows you to either analyze and find golden ratios or apply them. So, with the benefit of that software and with the many high-resolution images that are available on the internet these days, it's been fascinating to you know take a deep look at some of the you know paintings you know of Leonardo, Michelangelo, Botticelli, Serrat. I mean, and just see how some of them you know had a you know awareness and you know, I mean, if you don't have if you don't have a signed statement, it's hard to say that they intentionally. Applied it, but I mean, there's so many clear, precise examples that I'd be stunned if they hadn't done so. But looking at the uh, paintings of Leonardo, um the Last Supper is a good example. Salvatore Munde is another one that, that's the uh, Christ Savior of the World painting that was recently sold for about four hundred and fifty million dollars, a record. Um, you look at those paintings and you find that same application, golden ratio after golden ratio, golden ratio within golden ratios, that same type of design concept that I just described in the human face. So you see those in, in Leonardo's paintings. And that that to me was just fascinating to find.
1: Uh, can you give some examples from architecture? You talked about uh, the Egyptians, uh, et cetera, and the, and the placement and layout of pyramids. Yeah, uh, What about some uh, examples in architecture?
0: Yeah, well, the the earliest one, and this one is subject to debate. There's no written record for it. But the Great Pyramid of Egypt, um, its dimensions are within 0.025% of a golden ratio-based triangle that's known as a Kepler triangle. And that's named after Johann Kepler, who discovered the true nature of the uh, solar system orbits. But uh, it's also within about 0.1% of a triangle that would be based on a circular construction using pi so we it, it could be that uh, it's coincidence that it uses both or they could use one or the other some other method but it's again just really very precisely accurate to this kepler triangle so that's one that um is out there you read about it and people will you know debate whether whether it's true or not because there's no written record from the architects. One that's um, again, no written record, but probably clear in terms of circumstantial and physical evidence is the Parthenon in Athens and the Parthenon in, incorporates many different mathematical relationships. So it's not that the whole thing is based on the golden ratio, but certain um, aspects of like the, the, the beam across the columns, there's patterns in there that are, you know, very pre- precisely aligned to golden ratios there's some things in the floor plan that I've also found golden ratios in. Another fascinating area to me was the cathedrals of Europe. Um, Euclid's Elements became one of the best textbooks of all kind of all time, and I think through the ages, you know, people were aware of that, and again, intentionally applied the golden ratio. So there's examples in Notre Dame and Chartres, in um, Saint Mary in Florence, of where you can see. You know, design decisions that seem to very clearly re- reflect the golden ratio. The Taj Mahal was another one. That one has you know just beautiful golden ratios in you know the proportions that are quite easy to see. Another more modern example is the UN Secretariat Building. That one we know for sure had golden ratios in it because the architect, lead, the uh, lead architect Le Corbusier, he and the uh, his associate um, Oscar Niemeyer. Very purposefully created, um, you know, a design for the UN Secretariat building that incorporated many golden ratios. So the bands that you see across the, uh, the face of the building are positioned based on golden ratios. And even the fascinating thing is, even within those bands, if you look at the, the window framing, just even the, the, uh, dimensions of the windows, you can see they use the golden ratio there. So again, golden ratios within golden ratios. Uh,
1: and- And also within nature too, Uh, you're talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, spirals, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is a related, uh, there's a a sequence called the Fibonacci sequence. It goes 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8. And each number is just the sum of the previous two. When you take the ratio of each pair of numbers, the further you go in the sequence, it converges on the golden ratio. So we see things where it's very clear examples of the Fibonacci sequence in nature. Like if you look at, um, Seeds in a the the pod of a flower, or the spirals on a pine cone, or um, spirals of a pineapple. There's some examples where you see those integer relationships that are, you know, on their way to converging on the golden ratio. There's other examples just in the um, arrangements of petals and stems on a flower. The um, I've got examples in my book how you know petals on a flower are like arranged to um, be a 360-degree circle divided by the golden ratio creates an angle of 137.5 degrees, and you see that represented very precisely in in many, many flowers in the arrangements of their petals. So there's just lots of examples. Um, More recent example, there was a new form of matter called quasicrystals that was discovered, was believed to be impossible because it's based on a five-fold symmetry, and the researcher who discovered it found that it was, you know, based on golden ratio proportions in its arrangement.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, So is it – well, you know what I discovered recently, too? I didn't think about this. I'll interject a little personal. Uh, My alma mater is the University of West Florida in Pensacola. And now I know why they chose the Nautilus shell uh, for our uh, our Mm
0: -hmm. campus
1: uh, mascot. And I kind and, of had to laugh. I was like, that's oh, because it's divine knowledge.
0: Well, in, in that one, it, it, you talk about debate on, on the topic. That one is another classic example of one where there's confusion. Um, the Nautilus is one of the, you know, perhaps most beautiful and you know best known examples of a spiral in nature. Most spirals in, t- in nature are what you call an equiangular or exponential spiral, meaning it just expands at a constant rate. So there's you can find articles out there that say, oh, no, the Nautilus has nothing to do with the golden ratio because there's a specific construction of a spiral using the golden ratio expanding at 90 degrees. And it doesn't look anything like that. But I discovered after deciding I needed to you know dive into this myself that if you do a spiral that expands every 180 degrees, then it very closely approximates the spiral of the Nautilus. So hopefully that's case solved on that one.
1: Well, there you go. Well, I we always kind of had a, a little bit of a joke at our school. We're like, oh, well, conk em, you know, we're the, the, the spiral shells. But I think that uh, maybe they uh, had some more inspiration in picking that mascot than mm-hmm. uh, than, than we were yeah. poking well, it's, fun at ourselves. It's, it's a
0: beautiful example of mathematics and design in nature.
1: Um, so now I play the flute and uh, I happened upon, a your book because I was like, huh well, why, you know, do we have, I asked my flute teacher one time, why do we have scales? You know, how Mm -hmm. did, how do we have these eight note scales? Um, is there any relation, uh, the Golden Ratio Phi, uh, with musical instruments?
0: There there is, but in that, not necessarily in the way you would expect with respect to scales. I mean, scales tend to be more, um, integer based, you know, you can take a string and then Pluck it to get you know from the C to the G, et cetera, and, and those are based on integer integer relationships of three to two and five to three things like that. Where, whereas the golden ratio is a irrational number, and so most of the scale relationships, the pure ones based on harmonies, are just integer relationships. But as you um, you know put together the Western musical scale that you know is derived from that, um, th- there's kind of like one one relationship that comes close to the golden ratio, but I would say that it's really more the integers and the equal temperament that we apply to kind of smooth out the scales and different keys that's at work there. But the other part of the golden ratio as it relates to music that is more interesting is there have been um, musical instruments that have been designed specifically using the golden ratio, and apparently it gives them a better sound quality and even perhaps a better playability. So the most commonly cited example is the Stradivarius violins, and you can see that kind of in the relationship of the length of the neck, the length of the body, and where some of the scroll work is. A more recent example, I was contacted some years ago about a um, person who sells saxophone mouthpieces in New York. Um, He's got a company called Jody Jazz, and he purposefully set out to design a better mouthpiece for saxophone players and everything he did about it he incorporated the golden ratio in the design and it turned out that the product he produced is just is recognized by top saxophone players as just having better sound better playability so there seems to be something something to it applying it in, in that circumstance
1: Uh, do you have some favorite uh, golden means?
0: Um, the ones that I think fascinate me the most and probably most people is just appearances in the human face and human body. And again, in the face, if you look in the book or examples on my website, you you get this, again, just kind of golden ratio within golden ratio. where it's like every time there's a there was a, a place to, you know put the corner of an eye put a mouth whatever you find that there's like a golden ratio relationship to something else so that to me is very fascinating that you know that it appears in life and nature it also appears in our dna just the uh, offset spirals of the of dna are in golden ratio proportion the way they're positioned so to me it's just fascinating how life kind of from the foundations to dna up to you know us as humans how we find find the golden ratio and an interesting story too. That's um, That that too is something that, you know, you'll go out and on, the, on the internet and read and there's debate about it. Um, yeah. I, I like to do a deep dive when I see the debate to see, well, what, you know, what can I find? What can I research to prove it out? One of the things that I found for the book that's not even on my website is that if you, I found a source that takes um, averaged faces, it's like composite faces. So it's not just one person's face that happens to match a golden ratio. These are averages of 50 people or more. And I found better golden re- ratio relationships in that composite face than I'd ever found in any one individual's face. So that, that to me was, was fascinating. Um, just, you know, all the appearances in nature the book goes, you know, one chapter of the book covers a lot of uh, you know the applications in nature from the DNA just to, you know, body proportions of, you know, insects, facial feature proportions of cats, lions, primates. It's just kind of interesting how, and and we all look different, but yet it's kind of like this golden ratio just kind of seems to keep appearing in different life forms. So that's been fascinating. And then, you know, the other side of it is just, okay, we have that knowledge, what do we do with it? And so that's where on the, uh, you know, the application side, I found it fascinating to uh, to create the, the Phi Matrix software that I did to make it easy to find and easy to apply, and to just see how you know users. I've sold it to thousands of users in over seventy countries, and just to see the enthusiastic response that I've gotten from them in terms of how it just makes their design design decisions kind of quick, easy, and um, kind of almost foolproof. And and on that note, it's it's not that you have to use the golden ratio. It's not a rule. It's not that you know you're art or design won't look good without it. It's just that it's um, it gives you kind of an inherent, you know, approach template or archetype to use in design that I think ends up being better than just kind of going about it more blindly. I mean, there's a, another system called Orthogons that I cover on my website that talks about other geometric constructions that can be used to create different ratios. And the idea is that you could just use that ratio over and over in your design but the golden ratio just has unique qualities that no other ratio does and appears in nature in a way that no other ratio does. So I think it just adds to the aesthetics and, you know, natural appeal and harmony of it.
1: Well, I thought it was even interesting in your book, you talked about uh, the financial markets and, uh, how they kind of cycle in, uh, do they cycle in Fibonacci numbers or are we just looking for something?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, and again, these are areas that are hard to prove, but yet there's many people who who, uh, believe it and use it. Um, That is another application for my software, which was kind of a surprise to me is that uh, people that are doing technical analysis of the stock markets, you know, do many of them do use this and do believe that the Fibonacci numbers and golden ratios do help to identify price and timing movements, and the it's not a silver bullet. Um, it's it's not like it's a magic thing. But it's it, the idea is, is, if you're a technical analyst of the markets, you're trying to use a number of different uh, pieces of information to make the best decisions you can to you know, improve your success rate in, in profitable trades. So some you know use the golden ratio as just one more tool to kind of. Uh, Add to their quiver, their arsenal of tools to get to profitable trades, and and from what I hear, those that you know know what they're doing and can increase the the percentage of good trades with that.
1: Does it work on lottery numbers? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that's that's a funny thing too. And I, I, mean, I said it so emphatically, is that um, yeah, I've I've re, I've gotten that request you know, many times over the years, where people write. To my website and say well how do I use this for lottery numbers and if I knew I would have done it a long time ago but I mean it actually i I had one guy that was just insistent that it had to apply and i I downloaded like a ten year history of lottery numbers from California and I put them on a like a you know scatter diagram x y you know, scatter diagram so he could see it and it just looked like snow on your TV set when there's no channel i mean there was it's you know lottery numbers are random you know there's however many balls and each one has an equal chance of coming out. And, um, so there's, you know, there's, there's no inherent, um, pattern that's going to, you know, come from that.
1: Um, so yeah, you noticed also too, it was about like design, uh, in your book, you're talking about, uh, Bill Gates wife, I guess, did a a pie,
0: uh, Michael Michael Dell's wife. No, Susan Dell. In the early 2000s, she uh, she's a, you know a designer has an artistic side. She came out with a uh, fashion design collection called the Phi Collection, and he had a store in New York City, which I visited you know way back when. But that you know, that was just another fascinating application. I mean, fashion. I have some examples of that in the book. Where just you know where you place a you know a hem a uh, the the neckline et cetera, It can make a real difference in just kind of the aesthetic appeal, and so the golden ratio is another place where that can be used. There was a uh, two sisters that came out with a uh, what they called the the Da Vinci Code or something the beauty I think they called it the Vin- the beauty code, but they had a website years ago where they you could submit your um, your your measurements, you know, your dimensions, height and waist and all that, and they would send it send you out a uh, an analysis based on the golden ratio that told you you know how you should pick pick clothing that would look best on you. So many 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 applications for the golden ratio, and it's just been you know amazing. Um, and it, and one of the benefits of running this website is it's it's enabled me to hear from many many people around the world in a variety of different disciplines. So. Another one that just comes to mind is the uh, Star Trek, the USS Enterprise. Incredibly, so the, uh, the the guy who, Matt Jeffries, the guy who did the first design of that before a model was created, um, created it using the golden ratio. He was approached by Gene Roddenberry with certain criteria. And when he set it to pen, to, you know, to paper, he uh, or pencil, he, he used the golden ratio very clearly in some of its dimensions. There's so just you know, fascinating number of places where it can be applied in architecture in design, fashion, product design, logo design, kind of really only limited by our creativity.
1: Yeah, uh, I was uh, also, my understanding that uh, Steve Jobs used it uh, for a Mac and mm-hmm. uh, they had the trademark, the Apple, uh, yep. you can see how he used it.
0: Yeah, and even even the icons, even the icons on the iPhone, Apple came out with a template to help you know designers writing apps to say here's here's a template for what your icons should look like, and that that template is golden ratio based.
1: I, I like in your book. You know, you always you put some limitations too. That's that's good sci- scientific study too. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can you say? You know, if somebody says you know you can't determine a ratio after the fact, you know, are you just are we just looking for things or you know, how is this really relevant?
0: Yeah, well, that's that's a common objective objection. You know, I mean, there's there's people out there that claim more about the golden ratio than is really true, and then there's another circle of people who just try to de- you know debunk everything about it and kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. So you know, that's one of the common objections. It's like, well, you can't determine that after the fact, and it's like, well, that's not the nature of scientific inquiry. There's all kinds of things that we determine after the fact, whether it's scientific data or forensic data or whatever. So, I mean, to me, that's a very, very weak argument. If you uh, look at some of the da Vinci's paintings the way I have, and you see a dozen different, you know, very clear and precise golden ratios where it was clear that he was making a composition decision, like, well, how big should this be? Where should it be positioned? And you see the golden ratio appearing again and again. It's, um, you know, it's kind of hard to, to to say that you can't determine it after the fact. So I think that's, not a, not a good argument.
1: Not a good argument. Yeah, and uh, and even in uh, Leonardo's portraits and stuff, we talk about well, like route one, two, three, four, and five, and how that uh, how it relates to the canvases on the paintings and where they did their placements, etc. If you could have been any one of infinite number of other numbers what would you be?
0: Oh, well that, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a funny one too. I mean, and these arguments often come from, you know, mathematicians who, you know, tend to be much more theoretical. And, um, yeah, so, so people say, well, you know, geez, a golden ratio has an infinite number of digits. Well, here it is. It looks close, but how do you know that that wasn't 1.605 instead of 1.604? And it's like, well, maybe i i don't but but again can you show me any geometric construction that comes up with the number you're suggesting and so i in in the appendix to the book i i show how if you you know just you know take triangles or take inter, integer relationships there's really very very few you know geometric constructions or integer relationships you can come up with that even come close to the golden ratio so this notion that it was, it was some other number that was different you know that Leonardo was designing with a number that was point 0001 off it's like well you can't even measure that and there's no way to create that number with any known you know reasonable integer integer or geometric you know constructions so so there again i mean if people try to come up with a lot of different arguments but if you really look to like well <laughs> how do you get to that conclusion you know science is based on the best theory and it 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 should stand until somebody comes up with a better theory
1: well, it's true. And I was thinking about, you know, our first impression is when you're born is, you know, as the first thing you see is people and your parents. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that would be, you know, then the most beautiful thing that you, uh, come to associate with life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the human face is, you know, fundamental to just who we are, what we perceive, um, you know, to an extreme, unfortunately. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know covers of magazines, stars and movies, et cetera. I mean they tend to be the people that uh, are perceived by most as being attractive or beautiful, so on the one hand you you know you want to say, well, you know beauty is more than skin deep, and there's a lot more to a person than that, but yet you know walk into a room and that's that's the first thing you see about somebody, and there are perceptions that are just hardwired into us in what we interpret from that,
1: yeah, because I've seen even online uh people that- uh with the golden uh fifers or, or whatever they're called like measurements, so you can do that and how they they do that with like even like your mouth and your teeth mm-hmm. and uh yeah and and how that does that okay can you, can you give me some more examples what are what are some of their favorite favorite golden ratios
0: ah uh, let's see here um, we've covered let me trying to think of other ones in de- in design um or math. Well, I mean, just logo logo design is a, is a good one. Um, Google, if you remember, if you think back about five years, Google had kind of a more script type you know letter that made up you know the, the big G and Google and all that. And back in 2015, they came out with a major rebranding, so they changed the logo, they changed the little icons, they changed the you know spacing on the website, etc. So that was like a big thing, and there was all this debate about well, was this a good change or a bad change? course me with my my software, the first thing I did was I you know started looking to see hmm, wonder if the golden ratio appeared here. and I was just you know fascinated to find how you know I, I gotta believe they did this intentionally if they didn't they uh, hit it right on the mark you know many times. but the the logo itself, um, like you know just the, the ratio of the you know height of the lowercase letters to the uppercase letters, golden ratio, golden ratios within just like the slanted E on the, if you look at the Google, um, the, the E kind of tips up and there's a little point to the, that's a golden ratio the height. If you look at the little microphone symbol that appears, you know, next to the search bar, just the, uh, the width of the microphone and the stand in relation to its overall width is golden ratio. So, I mean, I, that, that was a very fascinating one to me. I did an article on that. um, the, the Star Trek. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say you too. Uh, I was thinking of Leonardo and and how that his drawing was sent out into space. I think it was one of the Voyagers, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: And yeah, how about the
0: Vitruvian Man.
1: The Vitruvian Man. Yeah, and um, how this ratio just seems to make life even possible.
0: Mm-hmm. It. I mean, and that is fascinating. And again, you know, it's, this is in the book, but if you look at these spirals, there's two spirals in DNA, and they're offset. And if you look at them, they're not offset 50-50, you know, like if you just kind of coiled them up, you know, with even spacing, they're offset so that the, you know, the the one part of the spiral is at a golden ratio of the distance of the whole length of the other. So, you know, that's fascinating. And then again, just seeing how the golden ratio just appears in different life forms in their, you know, their physical manifestation, manifestation in proportions. um, You know, that's, that is to me is just, you know, very, very fascinating.
1: Well, yeah, and you know, I actually, I even took a long time ago. Me and Mom were talking about this. It was a patterns class. It's how to make patterns for clothes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was talking about the the golden ratio, and this is how to uh, to make your own patterns mm-hmm. because that's that's the human body.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it, it you know has definitely been used in fashion, and um, and yeah, it, well, the pa- you can use it for patterns within the clothing, you know, but also the. Um, just, you know, the proportions of clothing, where's the the neckline, the hemline, et cetera. Um, one, one of the things that's kind of interesting about it, again, it's not a rule of composition, but um, it, it, it can be used in so many different ways to create so many different things. I, I liken it to the uh, 88 keys of a piano keyboard. I mean, you could look at that keyboard and say, well, this is pretty darn limiting. What about all those other frequencies or ratios that, you know, appear <laughs> between between these notes? You know, but yeah. but when you look at, you know, but, but what can you do with those notes? You know, those 12 notes of the scale, you know, basically 13 if you want to count the octave. But basically with a small number of notes, you can create an incredible, you know, variety of music. And that's kind of how I look at the golden ratio. It's not that you have to use it, but if you... Uh, Do use it. I mean, there's really you're only limited by your creativity. It's not like you're locked into any one particular approach to to any design project. So that that to me is one of the most fascinating things is just to see how different people use it. Yeah, my
1: mom was. Yeah, my mom was like when she was younger. She's like they would have the town seamstress, and she said I was always amazed I could just take a picture of something that Mm -hmm. I wanted. Yeah, and she would just take my measurements, Mm -hmm. and she would just make it for me. Yep. I was like, well, I think mom she must have known the
0: golden ratio. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe she did. I, I, I don't know. You know, and some some people um, use it very intentionally. I mean, there's you can you know do it with software. There's a a thing called a golden mean gauge. It's it's kind of like a compass, but with three legs to it. And when you mm-hmm. spread spread the legs, the middle leg is at the golden ratio point of the you know the two outer ones. So there's some very easy ways to apply it in physical design as well as digital design. And, um yeah, there were tools like that available during the Renaissance. So I suspect that would have been the way that Leonardo did it. But I, I will say, though, that um be, I think because the ratio is familiar and appealing to us just because we see it in a face, we see it in nature. I think, you know, a real artist will have just an intuitive feel. So they may produce something that's, you know, visibly indistingu- indistinguishable from the golden ratio, even though they didn't have specific knowledge of it or didn't do specific application. So I've seen that too. I'll, you know, see, see, you know, an artist friend did something and I'll look at it and I analyze it real quickly and say, Hey, you, you did that right at the golden ratio. And so I, he said, I didn't know that. I just, I just did what looked right to me. So I think that happens too.
1: Well, I was going to say, yeah, I think that that does too. I, I was thinking about that. Like you had a photography example in there and um, I, I, I was a 4-H and I did a photography project, oh gosh, it was probably a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it always told you, you know, do things on the, on the third. Right. And, uh, but then again, sometimes, you know, I didn't always necessarily do anything on the third. So I've only really been practicing like a third, I feel like right. my whole life. Yep. Uh, it, and um, so when I, I saw that, but it's still a little bit off from the third, though.
0: Well, yeah, and we, we should comment on that because the rule of thirds is, you know, a very common, commonly known, very easy principle to apply in, you know, cropping a photo or whatever. And in, when you're doing things in thirds, you're actually doing kind of a rough approximation of the golden ratio. I mean, a third is going to put one line at 0.333 and another one at point six six six. And the golden ratio, if you took golden ratio of that same dimension, the golden ratio, instead of 0.666, it would be 0.618. Instead of 0.333, it would be 0.382. That's the golden ratio going the other direction. So, so a lot of times, two people may just, you know, they've learned that rule of thirds. And, it you know, it's it's pretty close. Um, so it kind of accomplish, can accomplish the same objective. But then if you want to get into... What I talked about before, as far as the golden ratio, within golden ratio, that's where the rule of thirds starts to break down because when you take the you know ratios of the components, well, there's one that's three to one, there's another one that's two to one, there's one that's three to two, whereas in the golden ratio, you get the same you know one point six one eight to one point six one eight appearing over and over and over again.
1: Oh, so it's it's kind of a a, a nice little cheat sheet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, rule of thirds is a quick way to get there, but uh, golden ratio I think is really the you know the more elegant and uh, kind of informed approach if you really want to apply that to design.
1: Uh, well, let me ask you for one final question here. Sure. Know, is there anything else that you would like to, the audience to know about your book?
0: Um, well, I guess I using I guess.
1: it, et cetera?
0: Uh, well. Um, I, I guess I would, you know, just say that it, I, I write for uh, really for the layman. So again, this is different than the, uh, you know, typical mathematics book. And I, I, even on my website, I always make things simple. I like to include lots of visual examples, so that is reflected in the book. Um, it, it because of the experience I've had, just you know, covering this topic for twenty years, writing software, doing you know, original research. There's content in the book that I think is broader than what you'll you know find in many other books. Um, the book itself is, you know you can go to my website at uh, goldennumber.net and find a link to it there. If you like to buy from Amazon, you can just go to goldennumber.net forward slash Amazon, and it'll take you right to the page on Amazon if you'd like to purchase it. But um, to be, yeah, like I say, it's a beautiful book, about nine and a half by 11 and 53 half, three pounds. And it's just uh, it, the, the publisher quarter. Race Point did a uh, beautiful job on it.
1: Oh, well, Gary, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I know we've taken up a lot of your time. Is there is there any other projects besides the Golden Ratio that you're working on?
0: Um, well, there's there's some other related projects that I have kind of in the in in the future. I'd like to you know do more of a uh, practical application design uh, like tutorial educational type book. I I have a lot of information, even in the book, just some examples, but I'd like to kind of do something that would uh, give people a deeper dive on that. Um, Some of the research I've done on art and architecture, I'd love to have a book that just did a deeper dive on that. So those are, those are other projects. And uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I have the software five matrix that uh, you know, want to continue to develop and add features to, to make it better yet for users.
1: Oh, well, again, thank you so much. And I'm going to let our audience know the book is The Golden Ratio, The Divine Beauty of Mathematics by Gary Meisner, published by Race Point in 2018. And this has been Tricia Keffer from Sunny, Key Largo, Florida, your host for New Books and Architecture, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. If you have any ideas for books, please drop me an email at plantspeoplelove at gmail.com. And thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you, Trish. It was really a pleasure and a lot of fun to talk with you on this.